Hello, and welcome to Infinite Cast, a podcast uh, coming at you live from a thunderstorm in Southern California or Southern Florida. <laughs> Southern Florida. Yes, we are podcasting uh, from our mini vacation, seeing some of my family in Southern Florida. It is a full-on goddamn uh, thunderstorm right now. Hopefully, you can hear a little bit of that in the background. <laughs> uh, and. Uh, we are going to dear, dear Slim, dear, dear Mr. Won't Ever Call and Write My Fans, this will be the last time I ever write you. Uh, so hopefully that's going to add some... I got my girlfriend in the trunk. I'm doing 90 on the freeway. <laughs> I got my girlfriend hey, in the trunk. She's reading David Foster Wallace. <laughs> just drank a fifth of vodka. Just drank a fifth of wild turkey. Dare me to drive? Uh, anyway, I hope that's going to add some cool verisimilitude to this uh, recording. A little ASMR. Uh, so... Uh, you know, we go to great lengths for you, the fans of this weird, stupid show that we do. <laughs> uh, oh, goddamn. Whoa. Big lightning bolt. Every time we say whoa, that's like. <laughs> <laughs> Outrageous. All right, Molly, are you ready to start reading this thing? I'm ready. Just to give a little context, we have not finished EndNote 110, which is also a little bit not contemporaneous of where we are reading because we missed it. Um, but we're going to finish 110, hopefully get back into the text for a little bit today, okay, unless great. we get struck by lightning. lightning. All right. We're talking. Oh, Oren and Hal are chatting. And uh, <laughs> Oren Jesus. says the new New Haven brown rain thing was sort of a chortle, though, you have to admit. The, the rain is a chortle now that we're in it. Chortle, chortles are good. We like chortles, but what's the political motivation for the about face? Account for me. Account for this for me. All it has to do is sound soberly considered. Oren, I'm trying to reconcile your doubtless sincere seriousness. <laughs> sincere seriousness about this with your choice of me as co-ponderer. All... This is how. I'm a privileged white 17-year-old U.S. male. Wow, um, DFW talking about privilege way before it's cool. I'm a student at a tennis academy that sees itself as a prophylactic. I eat, sleep, evacuate, highlight things with yellow markers, and hit balls. I lift things and swing things and run in huge outdoor circles. I am just <laughs> about as apolitical as someone can be. I am all out of loops but one by design. I'm sitting here naked with my foot in a bucket. What exactly <laughs> is it you hope He's to get He's had his foot me? in these buckets. It's for like a hundred pages. What is it exactly you hope to get from me on this? I keep losing focus on whether you want a deep sounding line of patter to facilitate Xing this fleshy subject or have somehow been seduced into believing it's really worth pondering the weedy thought processes of fringe Canadians, of fringe anybody. How consistent do the Brazilian Nuevo Contreras' objectives look? The noise Storcrofts, Shining Paths, the Belgian CCCs, pro-life assault squads, the uh, Ezedine El Kassan, PETA Fur Farm arsonist objectives, Jesus, Gentle and the Poor CUSPS? Poor CUSPSs? Oh, this takes us to EndNote K, the clean U.S. party of Johnny Gentle, famous crooner. Clean U.S. party. So it's like emphasizing that like hygiene part of fascism, right? Absolutely. Uh, why not just soberly shrug and invoke the term wacko and leave it at that? Why not tell her you're a radically simple and somewhat sick young man who kicks balls really high in the air for a living? <laughs> yeah, just says, give her the truth. All I... 
Why not just say, who cares? This stuff isn't about you and me. The person this stuff is about is the person you say you've erased from all RAM. Why not tell the damn truth for once? Me tell the truth? Me lie? What? This... This ascapartic bathroom mag journalist is going to give you like an SAT entrance test on francophone extremism, like a gyno entrance exam. <laughs> you have to place above a certain percentile to get her to let you X her on the floor of the nursery right next to the bassinet. <laughs> Whom are you trying to kid? Whom do you think this is really about? Can you be that sick that you can't even admit it over the fucking phone? Silence from Oren. Or what? Silence from Oren. I'm sorry, O. I apologize. Think nothing of it. I know you didn't mean it. I hate losing the temper. You don't sound good, Hallie. You sound ground down. Hal grinds at his eye with a finger. These tooth episodes make me feel like that wobbled, shrinking figure in, the, in that Munch lithograph. <laughs> Munch? Munch, sorry. Ed- Edvard Munch? Edvard Munch? That, that shoe's going to eat right through your membranes. It's a vicious vice. I'm urging in all earnest. Ask that shack kid. Michael Pemulus cracks Hal's door slowly and slowly pokes his head in and one shoulder in, saying nothing. He is showered but is still flushed, and his right eye gets wobbly in this certain way where two or three... Two or three tenuates are wearing off. He has... His yachting cap, gold epaulets of fake naval braid, and in one ear, a piratical gold hoop that lights up in sync with his pulse. I don't know if you have clocked this, but um, electric jewelry is a, th- is a trend in this new... Okay. Um, electric jewelry is a, a, a thing. Uh, I also just want to mention, again, adding to the verisimilitude sim- uh, for our dear listeners, uh, I, I am listening to the headphones of this Zoom recorder, and I'm sitting about three feet away from Molly. If I did not have the headphones of her mic feed into my ears, I would not be able to hear her right now. Hell yeah. With the door just cracked and his head poked in, the, hood poked in, he brings his other arm in over from behind like it's not his arm, his hand in the shape of a claw just over his head, and makes as if the claw from behind is pulling him back out into the hall with an eye-rolling look of fake terror. <laughs> Hal is hunched, examining uh, his finger. Oh, no. Oh, stop. Sorry, I'm on a Kindle instead of the usual print because I'm traveling. Uh, examining his finger for eye material. In the, all the excitement, we've neglected the most obvious response then. Oh, your answer for the exam, and then I can go dry the ankle. <laughs> he can hear Pemulus asking Petropolis Khan and Stefan Wagenek something off the hall through the cracked door. I think I already tried the obvious response on her, but hit me. Pemulus just made his first pass and left the door ajar. I'm sitting here nude in a draft through an open door, neglecting the maybe deceptively obvious fact that something like, what, three quarters of the concavity's northern border runs contiguous to Quebec? Exactamundo. So that, so what if Ottawa didn't formally uh, subjoin the concavity to any particular province? Really big favor, I'm sure, because the map speaks for itself. Bits of western New Brunswick and a smidgen of Ontario aside, the concavity, the physical fact, and fallout of the concavity, it's Quebec's problem. Something like 750 clicks of border along the concavity with attendant seepage for notre pays. Yes, plus the brunt of the airborne waste from the high altitude... <laughs> from the high altitude asthmes 
plus being the province that gets splatted when the EWD vehicles overshoot the concavity. This is what I tried right off the bat on her. So what's the puzzle? Put yourself in Quebec's shoes. Once again, they get the gooey end of the Canadian dipstick. Uh, <laughs> it's mostly now Western Quebecers' kids the size of Volkswagens schlumping around with no skulls. Remember the, the giant, giant babies, infant, yes. the feral infants? It's Quebecers with chloracne and tremors and olfactory hallucinations and infants born with just one eye in the middle of their forehead. Yeah, it's this whole Eastern, garbage experiment does not sound good. It's Eastern Quebec that gets green sunsets and indigo rivers and grotesquely asymmetrical snow crystals and front lawns they have to beat back with the machete to get to their driveways. <laughs> That's uh, the hyperfloration that uh, was yeah. referenced earlier. Hyperfloration. They get the feral hamster incursions and the infant depredations and the corrosive fogs. So this is not a good situation for Quebecers. Certainly not. Although people aren't exactly flocking to New Brunswick or Lake Ontario either. And the coastal asthmies send the coastal phenols out over Fundy. And supposedly the lobsters out there are like monsters in old Japanese films. <laughs> Godzilla lobsters. And supposedly Nova Scotia glows at night in satellite <laughs> photos. Still and all, oh, tell her proportionally speaking, it's Quebec that's borne the brunt of what Canada had to take. The brunt again to their way of thinking, remember. Small wonder the fringe mentalities are violently anti-Onan up there. There's got to be a real straw and camel feel to the whole thing. The door swings all the way open and clunks against the wall behind it. Michael Pemulus has pretended to kick it in. Good lard per... Good lard perceive us. Good Lord, preserve us. He's naked, he says, coming in and closing the door to check behind it. Hal holds up a hand for him to wait a second. Except here's the thing, Oren says. Pemulus stands expectantly in an uncluttered patch of Hal's half of the floor and makes a show of looking at his wrist as if there were a watch there. Hal nods at him and holds up one finger. Except here's the thing, Oren is saying. The issue she raises is, is there, is there really any sort of realistic hope of Quebec getting gentle to get Onan to reverse the reconfiguration? Take back the concavity, shut down the fans, make us acknowledge the waste as fundamentally American waste. Well, probably, of course not. <laughs> Hal looks up at Pemulus and makes his own hand into a claw and makes clawing motions at the phone. <laughs> Pemulus is compulsively going around zipping... <laughs> Zipping and unzipping everything in the room with a zipper. A habit of his, how loathes. <laughs> but now she's got you falling back into demanding realistic and consistent logic from fringe mentalities again. But Hallie, just hang on. Canada as a whole couldn't oppose Onan. Wouldn't. Ottawa's so far in now that they wouldn't say shit if they had three times the mouthful they already have. Of yeah, shit, those, I mean. those, uh, those uh, lazy uh, bastards of Ottawa. Pemulus is pointing vehemently out the west window at the parking lot where the tow truck is parked and making exaggerated Henry VIII-like rending and chewing motions. His eyes, under the waning influence of PM stimulants, do not get mirthful or glazed. They just get tiny and lightless and even closer together in his narrow face, like a second set of nostrils. The right eye's little wobble is out of sync with the pulse of his earring. <laughs> There's the sound of Oren's switching phone hands. So then I'll ask you what she seemed like she rhetorically asked. Are the separatists and fringe cells pathetic little anti-Onan campaigns and gestures down here basically just hopeless and pathetic? 
Does fish shit drift slowly bottomward? Oh, how could she see it as anything but is if she's as savvy as you say? Hal removes his pruned white foot from the janitor bucket and dries it on a wopsed up sheet. He ports at a pair of underwear near Pemulus's docksider. Pemulus picks the briefs up off the floor with two fingers and tosses them to Hal with a pretend shudder. So simply largely symbolic at best then? Hal is lying back trying to get his legs into the briefs with one hand. <laughs> Tell her after much chin stroking, simply yes, oh. Oh, Pemulus is standing here already in his hat pretending to clang a dinner bell. He's got big glittery ropes of drool swinging from his lower lip. Pemulus is actually making a complex system of motions indicating both the procedures for rolling a Dubois and the lateness of the hour. For the past two years, Hal and Pemulus and Struck and Trolch and sometimes B. Boone have made a little ritual of nipping out to the little hidden clearing behind West House's parking lot's dumpsters and sharing an obscene cigar-sized Dubois before the I Day Eve expedition and supper out, while Shacked and sometimes Orthostice sit inside the tow truck, faces green in the green glow of the truck's instruments, warming it up. Have we established a Dubois for a, a doobie? It's a joint. Yeah, it's a, du- it's a, a joint. giant uh, joiner joint. blunt. Yep. I, I mean, I, we can talk about this at the end, but am I seeing this go to the right place that the uh, the the, the uh, Incandenza brothers are going to get wrapped up in, in foiling the plot of the uh, Quebecois terrorists of disseminating the, the entertainment. It is a question that is worth asking. Okay, great. Um, but you have the... I'm just imagining that on spoiling in in the same tone as this book already has of just like hyper exploitation. Because like foiling a terrorist plot like this is something that is like imagine you would one would imagine leads to like an action scene or something and i'm imagining uh dfw in like the last 200 pages of this book basically doing one action scene that takes like 50 pages to describe <laughs> like one bit of action happening mm, 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 indeed. Yeah, is that is that mm. uh astute <laughs> it's astute. <laughs> okay, it's astute. Uh, Hal sits up and makes a waggling, go on ahead on down on motion to Pemulus. But you have the Mr. Hope, Pemulus stage whispers. One moment, please. Hal clamps a hand hard over the phone and covers phone and hand with two pillows and some bedding. And stage whispers, where's your part of the Mr. H all of a sudden? Why do we have to roll a Zeppelin out of my part of the Hope I bought retail from you not three days ago? The nystagmus makes the eye-rolling lurider. Extenuations. We can get it all sorted out right later. No one's going to, like, exploit you. And then it's hard to extract the hand and phone. Oh, I'm going to have to book out of here in just about one second. Just how about this? Ponder this in advance for me and try to stay upright till you can call me back. This was the subject's uh, crux-type proposal. You can all collect if you want. Or you can call collect if you want. I don't have to respond, Hal says. Correct. Just listen. I just listen and then break the connection. Calling me like tonight or tomorrow before lunch? Call, collect if I day is full toll. I just sit here very briefly and then the conversation's over and we can go. Hal's directing all this more at Pemulus, who's pacing and holding the Constantine bust in his hand and <laughs> examining it at close range, shaking his head. All set? This is it. Are you set? So go already. 
Her poser goes roughly like this. If the separatist's big object has always been to independently secede, and if they've got about a snowball's chance of ever really getting Onan de-reconfigured, and if pretty much all Canadians despise Gentle and the transfer of the concavity and the whole experialist marriage sandwich, but especially the concavity, the cartographic fact of a concavity in our map and a new convexity in theirs, that the maps now say it's Canadian soil, this toxified-like area, Grant that all this is obviously right, then why don't the separatists in Quebec use the fact of the odiousness of the concavity to go put their parliamentary wigs on and go to Ottawa to Parliament and say to the rest of Canada, like, look, let us secede, and we'll take the concavity with us when we secede. It'll be our problem, not yours. It'll go on the maps as Quebecois and not Canadian. It'll be our blot and our bone of dissension with Onan, and Canadian honor will be dismerged. Uh, and Canada's pathetic standing in Onan and the like world community of standings will be rehabilitated <laughs> because of the ingenious way Ottawa's, Ottawa's parliament will have re-gerrymandered Onan's map without taking on the U.S. directly. Why not this? Why don't they go to Ottawa and say qui bono all around and say <laughs> the way everyone, this way everyone wins. We get our own notre pays and you get the slap in the face of the concavity off your map. The subject posited why the Nucks don't see the odiousness of the concavity as maybe the best thing that ever happened to them in terms of Canada's persuadability into letting Quebec go. She hit me with, why wouldn't your thinking militant Nucks use the concavity as a bargaining chip for independence? Why would they want Onan to take back the one thing odious enough to be a chip? Who's this you're calling you to? You can't call back, Pemula says loudly, pacing back and forth with little toy soldier about faces, his hoop flickering like mad. Hal lowers the phone but doesn't cover it. Uh, it's Oren wanting to know why Quebec and the FLQ and so on haven't tried bargaining <laughs> with the Canadian administration, offering Quebec's cartographic adopt- adoption of the concavity in exchange for separation. Yeah, that doesn't make much sense to me. You would want to s- separate Quebec without the uh, concavity. But we'll talk about this later. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk about this later. Okay, we'll, fi- we'll talk uh, about this later. Hal cocks his head slightly. The concavity this, is the insult to Quebec. This could be Potrincourt's so-called separation and returns real meaning, it occurs to me. Oren is in your brother with the leg? <laughs> He's all in a swivet about inter-Onanite politics. Pemulus makes a megaphone of his hands. Tell him who gives a bright flaming fart. Tell him to go read a book. Tell him to access any of a one of a dozen bases off of the net. Tell him you're pretty sure he can afford it. Pemulus's hands are slender. Wait, and was Pemulus the one who was was writing the article about Quebecois pol- that politics? That would be Struck. Tr- struck. Okay, great. Pemulus's hands are slender and red knuckled, and his fingers long and sort of fa- falcate. Tell him you can hear the truck getting impatiently revved as one of the very few totally free nights we ever get our friends uh, get ready to leave without you. Remind him how we have to eat on schedule up here or we get the wobbles. Tell him we read books and tirelessly access D-bases and run our asses off all day here and need to eat instead of we don't just stand there and swing one leg up and down over and over for seven plus figures. Owned. Owned. Tell penisless to go sit on something sharp, Oren says. <laughs> penisless? Penisless. Oh, he's right. I can feel that feeling of my body starting to feed on itself. You said I could think and call you back. I'll use your pager if you'd like. 
Pemulus has used one foot to clear a path through laundry and diskettes and books and gear to the west window, where he's making broad, involved gestures with a person or persons outside down on the grounds, whom the window's big sill keeps Hal from being able to see. Hal's underwear is at a diagonal across his pelvis. <laughs> Orin on the phone is saying... Picture this and see what you think. Imagine this. The FLQ and other various separatist cells all suddenly divert their terror's energies away from Canada and suddenly start mounting an insurgent campaign of U.S. and Mexican harassment. But the thing is, they make a big deal of terroristically insurging against Onan on the behalf of all of Canada. They even find a way to bring the Albertan ultra-rightists in on it. Hey, the Wexit movement. Free free Alberta. Plus other provincial fringes, so it looks to Onan like maybe all of Canada as a whole is in on the insurging. I don't have to picture it. It's what's going on. The CPCP, which takes us to... The Canadian... uh, Canadian something communist party, right? Uh, footnote L, it's the Calgarian pro-Canadian phalanx. Oh, okay. The CPCP makes incursions against Montana like clockwork. There was that horrific jamming of interlaced pulses and substitution of porn films for children's programming around Duluth in July in June, <laughs> traced to that psycho quintet in southwest Ontario. The interstates north of Saratoga are still supposed to be undrivable after sunset. The mirrors. Exactly. So, some point for me to ponder needs to emerge really fast here, Oren. The point is, I was rhetorically invited by the subject to entertain the picture of it all really being the Nux. The, the pan-Canadian thing being a dodge. The separatists all somehow united in orchestrating the anti-Onanism. The rhetorical question begin, becomes to imagine this and ask, why would they do this? We're wearing a groove in the same track again. Oh, it's because the concavity impacts mainly Quebec. No, I mean, she meant why would they make such a noise about insurging on behalf of all of Canada and go to such lengths to orchestrate the appearance of pan-Canadian anti-Onanism? And then, judging by precedent, the subject gave a hypothetical answer to her own question. Have you gotten to get a word in edgewise throughout the series of interviews, Oh. What if it's that the NUC separatists know totally well that if the Onan administration sees Canada as a big enough roach in the ointment, gentle and the unspecified services boys in white can get together with Mexico's vitified puppet state (laughs) and make things like really unpleasant indeed for Ottawa. They can make Canada the sort of black scapegoat of all of Onan. There's little you can picture that might be worse than being the one country in a three country continental Anschluss that the other countries are ganging up on and making things unpleasant for vichified Anschluss? this doesn't sound like any or an i know these are rabidly political catchwords what kind of heartbreaking rubenzian moment type fluff <laughs> journalist is this, is this you're so determined to the unpleasantness is pretty easy to imagine a picture of the ewd vectors could easily be recalibrated further north gentle could tell them our waste resources are extensive at the mildest he could say good-sized chunks of canada could be concavitized i, I have mean to it's true basically nobody lives in the majority of canada it's true I have to go. Pemulus is slumped back against the wall with his hands over his stomach and is slumping all the way down <laughs> the wall looking wobbly and pale. Ponder the picture of the Parliament's nails bitten all the way down to the ragged pink pulpy stuff as the Nux orchestrate the terrorism so it looks more and more like Canada versus Onan. Hal's in slacks and one street sock and one athletic sock and picking different shirts up off the floor trying to smell a clean one. 
But this is all... Yeah! <laughs> Pemulus vaults a corner of Hal's bed and tries to claw at the transparent phone's antenna like he's going to break it off. Hal turns to protect the phone with a shoulder, whipping at Pemulus with a sweatshirt. Orin is saying, what I'm asking is for you to ponder, could it en- maybe end up that Quebec, after wreaking various mayhem down here and, <laughs> making the plural of mayhem? Mayhem, and making it look like it's all of Canada, the PQs or somebody respectable, respectable gets wigged up and go to Ottawa and offers this deal. Parliament gets the PM and the government to go get the other provinces uh, to let Quebec go, go. separate, aller, partir. And in re- return, Quebec will step up the anti-Onan harassment and insurgency while dropping the pretense of other provinces being involved and all of Canada insurging and makes it publicly clear that it's Quebec and Quebec alone that's Onan's real nemesis. They'll tell Ottawa they'll offer the contiguousness of the concavity as their reason and send absolutely everything they've got in terms of terrorism at Onan and Gentle, taking full credit each time, offering themselves as the culprit and de-reconfiguration as the objective. So your multi-level journalists hypothesizing (laughs) the the hyphens in the word breaks on this Kindle edition are gnarly. (laughs) (laughs) Hypothesizing a kind of meta extortion. Hal can hear Pemulus's whistle-lipped breathing. Separation is still the Quebec insurgents' real goal and their anti-Onan insurgency is not what it appears. Hal's in the dark under the desk that the fold-out TP and drives and phone console and modem are stacked on one corner of, surrounded by nests of wires, trying to find his other street shoe. It's supposedly just been a ruse to arouse Onan's ire at Canada so the Quebecers can use the U.S. and Mexico as levers on Ottawa. Trying to engineer it so that Canada will be more than happy to disassociate from them, Oren says. And I'm saying I don't even have the background or lobes to even know whether she might be putting me on, testing my depth. You've always had a special dread of depth testing. (laughs) How about why don't you just toss me the bob and axe handle and me will go down and get things ready and wait for you, Pemulus stage whispers to Hal's slacks bottom, which is pretty much all that's visible from under the desk. Hal's hand comes up out of the leg space under the desk and raises one finger and shakes it a little for emphasis. Pemulus is standing next to the small TP viewer, which is propped up like a large photo with a buttressy thing that folds out of its back, and the TP's disc and cartridge drive, which take up less than a quarter of the desktop and has the phone's console and power unit bolted into a receptacle on the drive's side. Hal's voice is So they're muffled. not video chatting with each other. This they're is pure phone. Pure phone call. Hal's voice is muffled and has the strained pitch of someone trying to clear nests of dust bunnied wire to find something. Except, Orin, I don't see a great deal of pondering required here. The total anti-U.S. insurgency so far has been too hapless and small potato for her theory to work. The odd pie and guano bombardment, stretching mirrors across lonely roads, even demapping officials and botulizing the occasional peanut jar. None of this is exactly bringing anyone to his knees. None of this is making Canada or Quebec look like any kind of serious threat. 
Michael Pemulus, his jaunty cap pushed back and his lips pursed as if whistling, but not whistling, is very casually brushing his hand over the drive and console's power unit as if killing time by casually dusting, his other hands jingling pocket change. There's the sound of Hal clinking his head on something under the desk. His bottom is bony and his belt has missed two loops. The power unit's toggles next to a little red jewel of a power light that blinks at the same rate as a smoke alarm when the toggle's on on. <laughs> Hal sneezes twice. Pemulus taps his fingers in a little anapestic gallop over the unit's top. <laughs> Orin sounds like he's sitting up straight. Halley kid, now you're right with me. This is where your pondering lobes come in, because that was just my response, that there was nothing sufficiently more than just an annoying gnat-like annoyance about the insurgencies, which is when she moved beyond my depth back into 1A, if you remember, when she raised the semis.word in connect. That's it? That's 110. That's a no 110. In connect? In connect. I think we should stop there. I it's, think that's it's perfect. It's very wet. Uh, now we're going back not to where that thing, that happened but we would read further than that and now we're going back into, back the, into the text <laughs> my god okay so i have to <laughs> recapitulate i have to do a little bit of the of of the infinite gist of this please is that i hope it doesn't seem like i'm not paying attention i just have poor recall for character names is that that's all right there's the, a lot of them the man the guy who is the quebecois uh spy dressed as a woman he's not quebecois He's Hugh Steeply. Hugh Steeply. Dressed as Helen Steeply, and he's from the U.S. Uh, Office of Unspecified Services, basically the CIA. But he's working with... He's working with... With one of the wheelchair terrorists. He's working with Morath, who is Quebecois, and Morath is quadruple-crossing his government. So the Hugh Steeply, who is dressed as Helen Steeply, who is uh, explicitly laid out to be in a... Uh, at least absurd, if not overtly horrifying version of female drag is interviewing Orin and Condenza mm -hmm. ostensibly for a uh, sports profile, for uh, a moment, but is using that opportunity to grill him about Quebecois separatist politics because, because he, she who is he is looking, I would say, I would imagine to obtain the entertainment yep. produced by his father yep. to use as a terroristic weapon to advance the goals of the FL, FL, FLQ, FLQ the, the Quebec terrorists. Yeah. And Oren is buying this hook, line, and sinker, or at least kind of skeptically buying it because he is entranced by the formality the female He's beauty. He's horny for the spy. For again, this the spy overtly grotesque. Me. A figure and is grilling uh, Hal, who has a slightly better grasp on Onan politics, yep. about how to answer the questions not accurately but correctly for Helen's aims so that he can seduce so her. So that he can seduce her. So he thinks he needs to know <laughs> some correct poli political answers so because he can get he's, laid. Because he's a dummy. He doesn't know because anything about it. Because he's a horny idiot. Uh, he is a himbo. He's a himbo. Okay. Meanwhile, Helen, a.k.a. Hugh, thinks that James Owen Condensa has made Samiz Dot, that, uh, a.k.a. the entertainment, uh, that could destabilize the region in a way far beyond. Th this is where, because I was getting, listen, I'm not, I'm not the brightest crayon in the box. I'm not the, the, the brightest tanning bed, bulb in the tanning, <laughs> tanning bed. bed. <laughs> That's a good one. But 
what what I was picking up on reading this again is that he was trying to drill down on okay, there's all these terroristic things happening with Quebec. Yeah. And they're attacking mm-hmm. Onan. Yeah. And they're attacking Onan on behalf of Canada, even though they were pre- previously trying to leave Canada. Canada. Yes. And the difference between Quebecois separatists or uh, Canadian nationalism. And so, like, the the hypothesis being that was uh, uh, Helen, a.k.a. Hugh Steeply, was trying to incept, more or less, in Oren. They have a hypothesis that they're thinking that James was doing, which is that Quebec will use this entertainment as a much more effective terroristic uh, act than a mirror across the highway or a poisoned peanut butter yeah, or botula- a shit pie dropped over, yeah. uh, dropped over a political convention or some such. And so he's trying to like retcon that into being true because the idea being that Quebec would be like, oh, hey, Onan, or hey, 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 Canada, we fucking hate you. We want to leave. We want our own independence. We will take the cavity with us. And then, and we can basically act on your behalf. We know you want to leave as well, but three is the loneliest number. <laughs> uh, uh, I hope, amongst I, this Onan, Onanite con- configuration. So we will try to natter at United States. We will try to, we will do, we we will do your dirty work. They will do oh, our yeah. dirty work. Uh, we will we will uh, uh, t- drill away at the um, at America. We will try to destabilize America on your behalf under the guise of Quebec separatism. So I hope, which like, I think is, re- I think that is, uh, yes, uh, that's as good of a hypothesis as any. And Hal just doesn't even know what the fuck is going on because, as far as we know, Hal has no idea what the entertainment is. Yes. And Oren also doesn't know what the entertainment is, which is why he was calling Hal to be like, what the fuck does this lady mean when she says Samiz Dot? Yes. Okay, great. That's why he was calling. He's like, I, I forgot because we were talking about that like not last week, but two weeks ago. I have now. been pumped full of basically pro- like propaganda. What the hell does this mean? And why is this lady that I want to have sex with talking about Samiz Dot? Um, yeah, I mean, Samiz Dot? Samiz Dot. I mean, Samiz Dot. Uh, yeah, I, um, it's hard to follow. And I do think David Foster Wallace keeps repeating it well, and I kind think of going that, in circles helps, to try yes, to nail it down. Well, so that, that's what I was going to say is that like, I hope when I, I like try to reiterate and like drill things down to what the actual plot of this thing is when I do the infinite gist, uh, it doesn't, I, I hope it doesn't make me sound like a dummy because I do think it is important for a book like this to separate kind of the plot from what's going on literarily yes uh, which i would call the vibe the uh, vibe is in the text and then the plot is almost all in the footnote yes exactly well, i mean we've we've now spent two full uh two full episodes basically entirely in a footnote a footnote that we passed over in one of our readings because i didn't realize it was the end of it <laughs> yeah because it went on to a second page Yeah, th- this is the most we've gotten so far of information about the political climate of yes. onan and of course, the other the other facet of it, which is so interesting, is that Hal is listening to all this and being like, Oren, you fucking idiot. You need to figure out things with our mother, who is a freaking Quebecer. Yes. You like you you think that you just want to have sex with this woman and she's trying to tell you all this stuff about Quebec separatism. You have a resource. Why are you talking to me? Talk to your mom who you haven't spoken with in several yeah. years. Hal feels very put upon in these uh, in these chapters. As I said at the beginning, he seems like he's been soaking his foot for about uh, two. 200 pages uh every time we've seen him um and now all he and all he wants to do is go out and smoke a big a smoke. big uh bob hope with his 
uh, with his bros. Which tell like everything you need to know about the mindset and attitude of these uh, deprived, worked to the bone tennis students is that Pemulus is being like, we have like three nights a year to party. Get off the phone, man. Yeah. And then also Hal displaying a bit of um, aggression when it's his weed that they want yeah. to smoke, which again suggests that maybe he has somewhat of a problem with the substance. Yes. It is that he's very uh, uh, possessive. That's very funny throughout this whole thing, just realizing that the the window that you need to read Infinite Jest and observe David Foster Wallace through is weed addict. Weed addict. Weed addict. Which... He's like the one person in the 20th century who is actually a weed addict. There was a viral post and I think I'm sure you saw it where a woman was trying she was fostering a chihuahua and she was like <laughs> I did not see this you, are you sure yeah. she was fostering a chihuahua and she's like this chihuahua is disturbed this chihuahua can basically only hang out with women lesbians a mother and daughter a single woman because this this chihuahua is so disturbed and traumatized it's this chihuahua is the um embodied by the possessed by the spirit of a traumatized Victorian child okay. and the, like I the mean, dog was never all socialized chihuahuas are kind of embodied embodied the spirit of a traumatized Victorian child F- 50% uh, uh, bark and 50% tremble which was yeah. how uh, yeah. chihuahuas were described this is all, all all being said it was this very funny post where there was like this chihuahua is an asshole it, it can only hang out in very specific circumstances does anyone want this dog and the person who ended up adopting the dog was a woman who uh, a, I believe a lesbian who had previously had had two dogs that she unfortunately had to give up a couple years ago because she went to rehab for marijuana addiction Oh, and got out of rehab was in a halfway house. I think pretty similar wow. to interesting. Um, and it house drug and alcohol recovery house and reached out to this woman and was like, I don't see, I don't see men. I don't like them. I'm not going to hang out with men. I'm good with ch- chihuahuas. I'm I've good with dogs. I've overcome my weed addiction. I've overcome my weed addiction and she adopted. Yeah. I mean, again, dog. as always, I don't want to joke about, uh, joke about this, about addiction on the show, but it is very funny that weed addiction is like one of the central themes about this because it is, it, it's funny. And I think that he would recognize this. There is a central irony that weed has been so like criminalized and, um, marginalized for most of the last century yeah. for reasons other than it's like racial, social, uh, economic, economic reasons other than its actual effects, which are largely considered for the vast, vast majority of people to be not addiction. And the people who are doing bad faith anti-weed policies will say, oh, it's a gateway drug. It, it is addictive. You know, it creates yeah. reefer fiends or whatever, these kind of things. And I don't, I'm not trying to deny that there are a small amount of people who do have addictive properties with, or addictive relationships with weed and you know deserve support and help or whatever but it it is funny that that at that intersection of the weed being messaged as like one of the most dangerous drugs when it's ultimately one of the least dangerous and also like i would push seven people in the world the only thing i'd push back on is that and i think that david foster wallace makes this point is that anything can be addictive if you that's true. find if you fi- if you have a compulsive relationship yes. to pleasure then it can become addictive yes that's true and so i think we- weed is a little bit less destructive than something like cocaine in terms of how much it costs um how hard it is to get how, wh- how, how you physically behave destructive when you it do is it. yeah yeah um 
but I I don't and especially good lord are you ever a strong a strong edible that shit is crazy well again this is written 30 years ago this is written 30 years ago sure but uh you know, you know. Ken Erdetti our our favorite weed addict waiting for the the woman who thought he would come uh, was I think he bought like many many grams of that shit. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, the only thing I would push back on, and this is me having I I think not technically been uh, had a, a compulsive relationship to substances, and I, is that I do understand it could be shopping, it could be marijuana, it could be it can't, meth, it can't be anything, it could Any, be yeah. sex. I do think that there like it it matters less about what it is, and it matters more about how it affects your life when yes. you do it. I I, I uh, appreciate and I agree with all those things. I think I just there is something about the pop cultural space of weed as this battle, this, this pop cultural position. And I'm, I'm really only talking about it in the culture as uh, as something that in pure culture has been forever. Something that has widely been known to by like the, the force the conservative forces of, of, of reaction been like, this is actually bad and we need to take care of it. And the, the ostensibly like uh, uh, progressive forces of, of good being like, no, it's not bad at all. Like literally it is, it is not harmful. It's from, it's from the earth. And then one person right in the middle of it is like, actually uh, I am the one like good, like college intellectual in the world who is actually addicted to uh, marijuana. And my name is David Foster Wallace. Yeah. I get it's to me it's like what yeah what what is what is the difference if it's all you think about if yeah. everything you do is designed around it no I'm not saying it doesn't exist I'm not saying this is not correct I'm not saying that there aren't people who have yeah. legitimate problems who yeah. uh, deserve support and help but I'm just saying it's funny that it happens to be David Foster, David Foster Wallace. Wallace but it makes sense because yeah. to to bring it back to the ETA boys it's the perfect drug for someone and who's then, wound so freaking yes. tight and then through him his avatar in how in how yes. and to a lesser extent to Hal's buddies is that it's not, yeah, it's not just weed. It's like, it is a thing that is like pretty benign and I can get away with using it. You know, if I'm in the the same way that, um, Pemulus uses speed, it's, it's Mm -hmm. not cocaine and meth and you're doing these binges and you're, you can't get out of bed for days at a time afterwards. They're using it in They're, they're using it compulsively in tandem with a very high stress. Yes. And stressful life. And I think that is, a that's a, a microcosm of what everyone has to yes. do when you're working every day until you die. What, how are you, what, where are you fitting in the things that bring you pleasure, but then also might be, uh, the, the stress of which might also be worse than, than the problem in the first place. This is okay. So get, <laughs> it's kind of, uh, putting a bow on that conversation. Uh, yes. this is the first, this is the first part of this book that has felt, uh, I don't know, like the beginning of a thriller or something like you're getting yeah. into that, that, uh, yeah. you know, that, uh, political discussion. And as I supposed in the middle, when I said like, wait, are these guys going to basically get involved and like foil this, yeah. this plot or yeah. be set up to foil? I mean, I don't know if that is exactly what happens, but that seems to be like, again, what the plot of this book is getting at, even if that's not what the point is like it, again this isn't a, bo- a, a book about like following the plot it's yeah. about like uh you know following the ideas uh do you know about the uh, the uh the infinite triangle infinite triangle you know a triangle no. that's mid- uh, the the tesseracting triangle the triangle that's made up of infinite triangles <sighs> uh i'm not off the, off the dome gnome i saw something linked that it was like this book is structured like uh like the uh it, there's a name for it, it, it it's it's like a fractal triangle fractal yes fractal that it's like every that you zoom into each part and there it's like looks identical to the whole mm-hmm. 
Apparently that's a theory about this book that yeah. I saw this. this well, because there's also the, you know, he, David Foster Wallace is, is obsessed with annular, the, the ring shape. Yeah, the ring and shape. And the book is also sort of annular in a way that we, of course, won't understand until we finish. Yeah, well, you have to get to the end. Once you, you get, get to the, the end, beginning. the end is the beginning. Let me look up the fractal triangle. No spoilers. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I hope this has been, uh, we're, we're getting towards the end of, of this episode. Um, the Sierpinski Triangle. Sierpinski Triangle. Never heard of it. This? Okay, yeah. You've seen that before, right? Yeah, probably. Apparently that is something about this book. Triangles all the way down. Triangles all the way down. Um, if you know why the Sierpinski Triangle, if you can easily explain to me why the, the fractal triangle, the Sierpinski Triangle is uh, is about this book, uh, send us an email. Of course, always at the infinite cast pod at uh, gmail.com. Please. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this. It's now, it has stopped raining and now it's clearing up here in uh, South Florida. <laughs> Uh, it we'll was pretty fucking whether, wild whether at the beginning the, of this. Whether the thunder drowned out our speaking or if it was completely unlistenable. But thunder and the lightning, lightning and the thunder and, and the, the lightning. lightning. <laughs> uh, that song is, is, is kind of annular because it basically just goes about thunder and lightning all the way around. I bet that the lead singer of Imagine Dragons has read Infinite Jest. I don't know why. I just bet. You bet? I bet. All right. If anybody can dredge up evidence that the lead singer of uh, Imagine Dragons has ever talked about David Foster Wallace, send it to, it, to us. Uh, this has been an experiential infinite cast yep. uh, out here recorded in nature, uh, communing with it. Um, Florida, not really a uh, infinite cast zone. Although the last time that we were in Florida, we met a guy who is like real found a guy energy, who is uh, a guy who was a union construction worker who split his time between Boston and Miami. Yep. And that intersection of Boston guy and Miami guy was such a, and a construction guy was such a powerful energy. Molly and we I were, were naturally we, drawn. We were to naturally him. drawn to him. And, and frankly, we were bowled over by him. We were just saying basically like nodding and buying drinks and saying, yes, tell us more, uh, for like the, two hours. The, be the best was that he, we were chatting with him and he bought us uh, a round of <laughs> fireballs. Sure. And of course, you know, I'm in my old age, I'm like a little bitch. I, I sit my shots or like I do shots half and half and I'll just never forget. He was like looking at us. I think we both had a little, little fireball left in our glass and he was like, well, you're going to fucking finish those or what? Come on. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it. You're I was right. like, I'm taking my time. I'm enjoying the fireball, I'm sir. Si I'm I, sip, I sip with the light beer. I I'm sip the shot with the light beer. Flavor. All right. Bless. We've gone like 45 uh, and we gave you a fucking thunder, a fucking South Florida thunderstorm during this. Well, I promise the next the next episode we will be back right in the text in the actual text, uh, and and Molly says that Eschaton is coming up. Eschaton which, is coming up. It's I think it's going to be a little bit, but hopefully by, by the, the end, end of the, the summer. summer. So start getting ready. Put on your. And we put will on your have cap. Matt Chrisman. He specifically said he supports this project and he wants to come on for the Eschaton segment. Mm -hmm. So look forward to that, and also um. Before the next episode of this podcast comes out, my president's podcast with Matt will come out. Uh, yeah. Stitcherpremium.com slash hell to uh, subscribe to Hell of Podcasts and use uh, offer code CHAPO. If you go to Stitcher Premium, I, I will give that exclusive code on this podcast, which I believe is not part of our agreement, but you're getting the secret promo. If you go to Stitcher Premium uh, and, and try to subscribe to an annular plan, uh, and use the offer code CHAPO. You can get half off a annual annual plan. Annular. Annular. Annual plan. It's a plan that keeps going around. Yeah, an uh, annual plan. You can get half off a whole year of Stitcher Premium with offer code CHAPO to sell a, send uh, to sign up for Hell of Presidents, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, 
All right, that's enough of this. Hopefully I can get this published with my new computer in this new workspace uh, during this thunderstorm and I'll get this up right now. All right, bye, Molly. Bye.